Yo, everybody, welcome back. Welcome back to a very special 10th edition of Dame's Dropback. I'm your host, Damien Bartonic, and today I'm joined by two very special guests who I've had the opportunity to learn a lot from. I'm joined today with my guys, Stevie and Robbie Duncan, two fantastic football minds that drop a lot of knowledge, whether it be about schemes and NFL draft talk from Steve or flat-out trench talk with Robbie. Both of these men are excellent Twitter followers for the football fans in this hall. With that said, boys, how are y'all doing today? I'm good, man. Um, uh, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh, I look forward to talking to both of you guys. I haven't talked to Robbie in person either, so this will be cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, man. I'm I'm very, very honored to have y'all, man, for real. Like, I followed y'all for a minute. I've been in y'all's DMs before, man, asking all kinds of questions. Uh, I'm still trying to learn the game myself. So it's always fun to kind of just take knowledge from people who know more than me. Um, so I definitely appreciate all y'all have done, uh, especially in my growth as a football mind uh, that I'll kind of talk about here. My guy, Steve over here, he's really the one who really put me on. Uh, he put me on to like analytics in the football world uh, as someone who, you know, does a lot of basketball stuff. Analytics is talked about a lot in football. It's now starting to become a lot more popular. A lot more people are kind of recognizing it. And Steve was the one who put me onto that. Um, so I got a huge shout out to my guy there. Cause a lot of times in the Rigos pieces, y'all see the analytics that I use and that's all due to him. He's the one that put me on that. So shout out to my guy, Steve. And then Robbie, man, I've been in this dude's mentions and his DMS asking him all kinds of like amateur questions about offensive line play and talking about the OL and stuff like that. Uh, so shout out to my guy, man. I can't, I can't thank y'all enough. And, uh, man, I'm just excited, bro. So I think we're just going to start right now, right off the bat, uh, topic number one, we're going to kind of take this back to Sunday. Uh, a lot of people read my uh, my takeaways piece uh, on Rigo's rag, and uh, not very many were happy. Uh, they said I was stupid because I said Heineke didn't play well. So it was a matchup of David versus Goliath on Sunday afternoon. Uh, the entire team looked flat outside of two possessions. So how are you feeling about Washington collectively as a team? And after three weeks, which position group concern you, concerns you the most? And I guess I'll kick it to Steve for that one. Oh, I'm not feeling good. Uh, I think we clearly look like one of the worst teams in the NFL right now. Um, there are a lot of bad teams. There are a lot of good teams. Um, there's, you know, the, the middling teams will start to shape out here soon. Uh, we'll see if we remain at the bottom. As far as, like, position groups, I mean, it's easy, just easy for us to point at the linebackers. And um, if you read my Twitter, I do that all the time. But <laughs> it's a collective thing, man. Um, from coaching down, it's just not looking too good right now. Uh, even from a leadership perspective, um, coaching – and, you know, on the defensive side of the ball specifically, um, I don't know. They got a long way to go. Yeah, I'm going to piggyback off that. I mean, it's it's all looking bad. I don't, I don't know if there's one group that I'm more worried about than over the other. Um, I mean, I think the offensive line's pretty much been the stronger standpoint so far, which is surprising considering how things were going through training camp with Cosme struggling in camp and then, he had his struggles week one, but since then, I, I think they've been pretty solid run blocking wise. They're, they're getting recognized for that. Their PFF grades are high, depending on your perspective on whether those are good, <laughs> valuable or, or credible or whatever, but it's still good recognition regardless. So, I mean, the rest of it is not good. We have, we have a front five with four first round draft picks, a lot of money been in assets been dumped into that defense. And the way they've been playing is just inexcusable considering all the, all that's been invested in it and the, and the talent that's there. So that's the biggest let, letdown right now, obviously, but I, I can't, I can't quite place my finger on why it's all going to crap right now, but it's just not good at all, all around. Yeah. And I agree with that too, especially like, you know, Steve mentions the linebackers. It's really hard not to mention them primarily 
it's it's not been very fun to watch. Um, the offensive line play too. We'll kind of touch on that a little bit more later. But I agree, they've been a really solid group uh, so far, especially. The, the tale of Sam Cosby has been crazy, right? Because week one, everyone says he's horrible. He was a bust. He should have never been picked. And then now we're here week three, and you're like, oh, man, no, this, guy, this guy's kind of stringing together a couple of good games. And, you know, who knows? You know, maybe at the end of year one, we're looking at him, and he's like, hey, he's our second-best offensive lineman. He's the third-best offensive lineman on the team. So, I mean, I don't think that's bad considering where he started. Uh, for me, I think the one concern that I have is the kind of the wide receiver room. Um, I'm a really big De'Ami Brown guy. I felt like he's a guy that can kind of really uh, – I thought he was a guy who can produce immediately. Uh, I don't think the reason why he's not producing is his own fault. Uh, I think there's times where, you know, Heineke's missed him or for another reason or not, he's just not getting the football. And um, I still think he's a guy who can produce, man. I really, really do. Um, but I think that receiver room in general, Terry's been great. We don't need to worry about Terry. But it's more so kind of everything else uh, that I'm a bit worried about. But uh, if y'all have any thoughts on that, I'd like to hear him. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about the group collectively, but Terry, I'm fine with, of course. <laughs> I feel like a lot of guys aren't getting open besides Terry. Um, yeah. The ones that are, they're not making the, they're not catching it. Like Yami had a wide open pass. Mm -hmm. that he just dropped because he wanted to try to turn and make a play before he could secure the ball. But um, <clears throat> I think that's the biggest thing right now is it seems like just not a lot of guys are getting open either that or, you know, base Taylor may not see it all the way. You know, I think that's been pointed out a couple of times here on, on the internet. Uh, you know, Mark Bullock is really great at breaking down that stuff. He's pointed out some things that Taylor may have missed. So it's not necessarily all the receivers not getting open, but it, it, a lot of times it feels like he's waiting for something to, <laughs> to happen, like especially in that Buffalo Bills game. He was sitting there in the pocket a long time. Thankfully, yeah. he was getting a lot of good protection, but there was nobody. it seemed like nobody was open. I mean, the Bills wanted to take away Terry for the most part, and no one else was there to really kind of be a threat. So um, I, I feel like not a lot of guys are getting open personally. First Samuel, <clears throat> we'll be back hopefully this week. <laughs> Um, just get him some structured touches and hopefully eventually get some of that bracket coverage away from McLaurin. Uh, as far as Brown, I mean, he's a case study right now. And I, I think we knew that was going to happen. Um, kind of, well, they didn't have a choice, but to throw him into the mix early. Um, you know, the way he moves, he's so fluid, man. And he, his play speed's faster than his time speed, which was like in between 445 and 450, which surprised people because of his play speed. Um, I just don't think they've tapped into that yet. I don't think that they've connected on a long ball. I know he's dropped one. He drew a pass interference um, the first game. But they're also not scheming it up to where he's downfield either. I think the second game he had an A dot of like two. Yeah. So it, it's just a mix of things, man. I think they're still getting a feel for it. Um, the offense, just the same as the defense, kind of. It's just top down seems a little weird. and. I can definitely, you know, the receivers do need more depth for sure. Yeah, I think we'll kind of, we'll, we'll stop it there and go to our next topic. I know we talked about the linebackers a little bit, and I think we got to touch on them just a little bit more. Um, a position group is, you know, that, that linebacker group we're all a bit worried about and, you know, down on after three games. Uh, surprisingly, this is not the John Bostic uh, fan club podcast. So if you're looking for that, you're at the wrong show. Uh, but coming into this year, I believe everyone thought the linebackers were the weak link of the defense. Uh, they kind of stuck their boots in the mud. That's Washington. And really, um, you know, they only added Jamin Davis to what was, you know, a weak linebacker room. Um, are you at all surprised that Ron Rivera is relying so heavily on guys like Cole Holcomb and John Bostic, uh, despite their clear limitations? Wait, Steve, I'll let you answer that one. Um, not really, because I think Ron is infatuated with some of the guys that he he actually likes. Like uh, anybody he brings in, he likes. He brought them in for a reason. 
Um, I know he, I don't, can't remember if he brought Bostic in for some reason, but obviously didn't bring Holcomb in, but he gravitated towards Holcomb. Holcomb gravitated towards him. He's even going on record saying, oh, he's underrated, this and that. He, he loves his guys. I mean, you know, and I can tell, I can see why guys in the past have said, I'll go to war for that guy because I mean, he loves them. Um, and no, I'm not surprised. And I, I, he's, he's going to stick with them because who else are they going to put in? Yeah, it's not good. Only adding Jamin Davis to the, to that group is, is not really good enough, especially considering he's still learning the position and, and only has a year under his belt as a starting linebacker coming out of college. So I mean, it would have been really nice if they had double dipped at that position. There were guys they could have gotten after they picked Davis that could have helped, um, like Jabril Cox later in the rounds after after JOK got picked in the second round. I mean, they could have still gotten somebody that was talented or at least had some promise like Jabril Cox or others, but that they kind of seemed okay with what they had, and it's not really not really working out for them. So. Yeah, that's the interesting thing to me is um, I know Steve is kind of – he's mentioned this before on his Twitter about how for better or for, uh, for worse, Ron really sticks with his guys. He sticks with the people that he likes. And uh, right now it's not paying off whatsoever. Um, I agree with Robbie's point that they should have double dipped. You can go through, you know, I believe all of our Twitter, our Twitter timelines back then, if you want to go four or five months back, we were all thinking like, hey, Jabril Cox in the fourth round, like even in the third round with like 82, we were like, man, you might need to double dip at that position. Like, that's really good value. Um, and it's, it's been, it's been really bad. I mean, even Jamin Davis, um, I think that's whenever uh, it was back in yeah March, uh, whenever I started really mocking him hard to Washington and kind of writing stuff about him where I was like, yeah, he's going to come along slow. Uh, similarly, Cozy, me, another guy, but similarly, he's going to come along slow and he'll, you know, he'll progress throughout the season, but it's going to take him a little bit. And folks are kind of surprised that they're doing this when they shouldn't be. But I think the surprise, the, the right emotion to have towards all of this is surprised not with Jamin specifically, but with Ron being so just, kind of just in love with those two linebackers who, who have not produced whatsoever. I mean, it's been tough to see. Um, I believe Pete Haley said John Bostic does everything right before the snap, and then right when the, the ball gets snapped, he does everything wrong. And uh, respectfully, I think he's not too far off on that one. Um, but I think we're going to transition to topic three where, you know, we mentioned how poor the, you know, the linebacker play has been. Uh, we saw Washington switch to a 5-1 uh, for one for, I think it was like one or two possessions. Immediately when they did that, Buffalo opted to run a much, a much more high-paced offense. Just everything was quick passing. It was, uh, you know, one second or less, it seemed. Uh, the ball gets snapped. Josh Allen just throws it immediately. And, uh, you know, we saw that, and it was pretty bad. I mean, the, the pass rush is non-existent at that point. Um, if you're John, if you're uh, Jack Del Rio and Ron Rivera, what would you do to counter an issue that teams routinely go to since they respect this Washington front so much? Uh, I'm lining up. Sorry, go ahead, Steve. No, you go. If I'm lining up in that front, it's for first down or red zone, and that's it. Because I mean, if if we don't get a stop and they start going no huddle on us, then we're we're out of leverage. We we got five D linemen rushing at a quarterback, and and he's attacking us vertically. All he has to do is get rid of the ball really quick, and you know you're going to get gashed like that. He'll just surgically, methodically throw that thing down the field or attack you around the edge because that's where the leverage is. So I. I, I don't. <clears throat> I like the idea of it. I like what they're trying to do with it. But at the same time, you need to be more calculated when you do it. Because when you're going against an OC like Brian Dable, he's going to laugh at you and and make that adjustment and and do exactly what he did to us on Sunday. And I don't think they have the personnel yet for that, quite frankly. And it starts, you know, at the linebacker and safety. 
positions. I hope the corners get better, but right now we can categorize with them because they've been awful. But you need versatile defenders. And versatility to me is not a guy like Landon Collins who can play in the box and play too high. Look, he's not good too high. That's not versatility. All right. Versatility to me is somebody, uh, let's say that Jamin Davis does start to develop and he can play linebacker and then man up on a tight end and he can stop the run as well. That's versatile to me, but we don't have that on the back end. And also you got to tackle better. I know PFF has a stat saying that, you know, we haven't missed a ton of tackles this year. I don't know what they've been charting. And I usually go with all that, but to me, the eye test says a little different. Um, and then it, the versatility thing is a mental thing as well, because you need guys that can speak and communicate no matter what level of the field they are. Can Landon Collins talk to Bostic and help him get into position? Can we do that on the fly? Because you're going to see hurry up offenses on this team just based off of our linebacker play. And if you can't communicate, you're toast. And I think that's what's going on the most is there's no communication once or other. So. Yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned that um, because I've, I've written about that too in a piece is basically how they're just saying that there's no uh, – I believe Nick Ackert also mentioned this on my podcast. There's like no continuity. There's no communication. It's like this group is entirely new. They look all of, you know, three games together new. You know what I mean? And it's pretty bad. I mean, when you watch it, like, for example, like um, William Jackson the third again, he almost, you know, gets – it's it's his it's his assignment. I don't know what goes on, but – there's another, it's Stefan Diggs is wide open. And, you know, luckily for us, you know, it doesn't get caught, but it's like, man, there's so much wrong going on with this defense. And you don't really expect that, you know, from, from a, a JDR Ron Rivera, you know, defense, at least I wouldn't. Um, I, my, my question to follow up to that though, is if they run that five, one, uh, is there also a potential for us for Washington to basically get gashed on the run at that point too? I mean, with only one backer, you have five D linemen. Uh, if they once, you know, teams break out of that first level, it seems like a lot of times teams can go to that second level and just salsa dance into it like it's nobody's business. Uh, is that a concern for you all as well, or am I kind of off with uh, what I'm saying? No, I mean, I, I'd attack the edge, like run some jet sweeps, run some something across, you know, attack the edge. I, I don't think you need to – I think you can attack that however you want because you got five D linemen down. I mean, yes, we got some athletes at end with, with Chase Young and Montez Sweat, but, it, 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 again, you only have – you got three D tackles inside the leverage would be to attack them outside and make them chase you sideline to sideline. That's what I would do through some kind of misdirection, anything like that to attack that five man box. And, 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 and then again, just keep going down the field doing that same stuff until they adjust or call a timeout. And nobody's containing right now. Neither of the edges are containing uh, like Collins didn't come down in the box and containing. I mean, they look awful and yeah, attack the edges and, you know, you get through that first level, who's going to tackle at the second level? I ain't seen it yet, so. Yeah, yeah, nah, that's that's what I figured. I was like, man, it seems like it seems like these guys, you know, opposing offenses, once they go that, if they run it, like, really heavy, because a lot of people, and even me sometimes, like, I'll fall into it like an idiot, but, uh, you know, a lot of people are like, man, they should just run the 5-1 all the time, and I'm like, bro, there's a lot of times where I would think offense are just going to sauce it into the second level like nobody's business, seven, eight, nine yards a clip, and, like, you can't win in the NFL like that. And not only that, too, this team is too talented, in my opinion, especially with that front. Yeah, they have some issues at linebacker. Um, you know, I know the secondary, they, need, they have a lot of stuff to clean up. But, man, I mean, you're, you're really giving yourself very little room for error. And for, a, for a, a personnel group like Washington has, that's really telling. I mean, 
it's very discouraging. Um, but I, I think if they did that all the time, like I think there would be no hope in them getting any better than the 30th ranked defense in the NFL. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I guess now we'll kind of switch it up uh, to the offense. You know, we've been talking a lot of defense. We'll talk about the offense now. Uh, let's start with the signal caller, uh, you know, a guy that nobody saw coming prior to Washington's plethora of quarterback entries last year and the whole Dwayne Haskins thing. Uh, I know, Robbie, I know you and Taylor Heineke that y'all had a, a strong connection back in, the co- back in the college days after you protected him there at ODU. I won't put you on the spot and make you harshly crit- uh, critique a friend uh, but I will ask you both is what are some things you want Heineke to improve on and what are things, uh, what things are you excited about that he brings to the game, uh, you know, game in and game out? I mean, I'd say you got to let him play the, his game. I, the, the whole wanting him to be a game manager thing is just not, I don't understand why you would want to shackle a guy and, and keep him from doing what he's best at. And that's the, you know, in, the, the improv, improv, I can't even speak, improvisational type of game when the play breaks down, get out of the pocket, make the play. And he's, but he's also been able to hit, do some damage in the pocket. I, I don't feel like you need to hinder him. I mean, he may not be a long-term guy, but for the now, let him do what he's best at and help let, let that help win, get to lead to wins. Um, I, I don't think you need to do that. Anything like that. Just let him keep doing his thing. If he gets hurt, he gets hurt. But for the most part, I think he's done a pretty good job besides that Bills game of protecting himself. At that point, he's just trying to make something happen. They're down big. You know, if it was a closer game, then he wouldn't. I, I don't think he'd be taking those chances as much. But you can't you can't shackle him and try to force him to be some game manager or stay in the pocket when there's a lane to run through. Like a great example was that uh, first touch or first interception. I mean, he had, a, I mean, tons of green around. Around him, he could have run for that first down. I, I think, and I think Taylor Heineke normally would have ran for that first down, but he stayed in the pocket. Are they really pushing him to stay in the pocket more? I mean, what there's, I feel like there's a lot, lot of ins and outs to this that we don't necessarily know about. But, but uh, I mean, for the most part, I think he's done a great job, and it's one bad game for him. I'm not going to say it was it was a good game or a not so bad game. It was a bad game. You know, every quarterback has a bad game. I mean, Tom Brady just lost and. Had a, he'll tell you he had a bad game too. Didn't do enough to win the game. So the big thing to me is how do you bounce back from it? How do you play against the Falcons after that game with the Bills? And then go from Um. So as far as Revere's game management, game management thing, uh, I agree with Robbie there. Um, let the guy be himself. And I have a quote about all that, like a leadership quote. After this, maybe we can talk about it for a second. Let the guy yeah, let's be do it. himself. Um, I'd like to see him operate more off play action, you know, on the edges a little bit. Uh, but also when it's time to play within the structure, I'd like to see him play within the structure too. I know he missed a couple of deep shots, one DeAndre Carter against the Giants, missed one against Buffalo. Um, and, you know, he's not turning the ball over or anything, so I don't understand the whole game management thing. But when he does get on the edge, I personally would like to see him pull it down and continue to run and do his thing. Now, I'd like to see him protect himself better. He did on the run a couple times try to uh, jam some passes in there. Maybe that's what Rivera's talking about, you know, uh, calculated risk-taking, whatever. But let him be himself, man. Yeah, for sure. And before we get to your quote, I'll, I'll kind of just leave it my opinion at least. I think with the, I agree with you a, a lot on this because I understand the game manager thing, but, like, normally people who are game managers, like, that kind of best fits what they do. Like whether it's Alex Smith, Teddy Bridgewater, like that's kind of them. That's their game. That's, that's the best role for them. 
Uh, I think with a guy like Taylor, he- Taylor Heineke, like y'all was saying, you kind of just got to let him be him. You know what I mean? And, and you know, you've had guys like John Kime who've said, like, they like him because he can go through his progressions. He can do this. He can go. He can run. He can do this, this, this. Well, like, let him do that. And I agree with Robbie, too. Like, it is kind of weird. It seems uncharacteristic for him to, like, sit in the pocket on that first interception when there's so much green grass in front of him, which, I mean, kind of, I haven't really thought about it much, but maybe there is something going on just because that just seems so uncharacteristic. Like, and then we see later on in the game, too, uh, he gets crushed uh, when they're in the red zone. Um, he goes on, he, he runs, he gets outside of the pocket, he runs, and he gets he gets uh, hit by, I forgot who hit him. But it was like, man, it just seems like he's, it's just weird. Like, he wasn't comfortable at all. Um, and I know Ron talked about this being a measuring stick game. I don't know if maybe he's telling him prior to the game, like, hey, uh, you know, kind of take what they give you, and that's basically it. Just play within this role, and you'll be fine. But I, I'm, now that y'all mentioned it, too, I can definitely see that. Now, Steve, I want to go to your quote. Go ahead and, and uh, hit us with it. Real quick, did, didn't they call a QB sneak at one point? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. What? Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's, not, that's not his game, man. <laughs> uh, they, man. They, All right, so the other day I was listening to the radio, the broadcast. I didn't get to watch the game initially. I was watching all the broadcast, listening to the broadcast. T. Hall said, these guys are playing like robots. The scheme isn't an issue. These guys are playing like robots. So I took a leadership course, and I remember a quote. And this is paraphrasing. I did write it down on a notepad right here. When you're micromanaging, there becomes a level of indecisiveness among your workers or your players. To you, it looks like lack of accountability or immaturity, but it's really on you. Your your employees are going to stop being creative and micromanage themselves. It sounds like robots and... You know, Ron Rivera since the off off season saying these guys lack maturity. So I'm like, I'm thinking like these guys aren't playing with any swagger. You're going to now Heineke's played with some swagger. We got to admit that he still had that juice, you know, to the pylon and all that. But William Jackson looks like one of the best or one of the worst cornerbacks in the league right now. Yep. Yep. I mean, so let this dude shadow, let him play man to man, let him get his swagger back. Poor Kendall Fuller can't do anything because his linebackers are ter- terrible over the middle. So when he's passing guys off, he's getting charted for that shit. Can I cuss? Sorry. Yeah, you know, you're good, brother. You're good. You're good. <laughs> Cam Curl is not on the field enough. Let him come in. Play with three safeties. I don't care. Get him on the field. Let him play with swagger. It seems like we're so by the code here that everybody's being micromanaged and they're sitting or turning around, looking around like, what do we do? How do we do it to make him happy? And you're taking away from the creativity. So, I, I my question is why? What happened to the press man look that they were trying, at least on paper, were trying to set up? Right? They drafted St. Juiced, who's looks who's more like a long press guy. You know, he's not necessarily a shadow guy. You know, and William Jackson's got linked to him. And he's and he's he's been that's where he's best at. I thought we were trying to set that up, but I still seems like we're off in coverage and, 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 and we're playing deep in zone instead of trying to get up in their face and set up a, a they put the pass rush in a better situation. I, that doesn't seem like it's like they've decided, ah, we don't need to do that. Yeah. Anymore. Let's, let's uh, pay William Jackson money and get everybody excited and bring them in here and let them play off cover four all the time. <laughs> it's just, and it doesn't pair. I thought they were going to pair that with our pass rush, you know, get yeah. in their face. A bit. You know, 
knock off a second right there, boom, stuck yep. at the line of scrimmage, and there you go. It's and, and that's what I'm talking about is you can't blame any one level. It's it, it's so like Kendall Fuller, for example, just like I said, it's so hard because all the pieces are in place. Kendall Fuller's better than that. We know that. Yeah. We oh, still yeah. Play. oh yeah. Yeah. And, and it's interesting. That's a very good quote. And that's a very good, that, that's yeah, no, I agree a hundred percent with all of that. And the reason why too, another thing is interesting that y'all mentioned that I thought they were going to play a lot of press man as well. St. Just in college was really, was pretty solid at that. He was, that was kind of like the one, you know, obviously the athletic profile was awesome, but that was kind of his best tape was that press man, that man to man stuff. And it's like, what, like, what are we watching? And not only that too, I agree as well. William Jackson, the third, like let's play our guys to their strengths here now. And then we got we got a Cam Curl. I mentioned it on Twitter uh, that basically last year he's played he played a lot of uh, snaps in the slot. This year it's like box free. That's it, no slot. Like, and I'm like, put the man in the slot. He was really good against tight ends last year. And that's why I'm like, I, it seems like they want them to move as one unit within the confines of their scheme. But last year they were kind of letting everyone play free within the scheme. If that makes sense. This year it's a lot more structured, but not in a good way. It's like everyone's playing uh, in this specific role, and, and constantly you hear uh, Ron after the game, we, uh, we're undisciplined, got to do your job. you know. And this isn't Bill Belichick, do your job stuff. This is like, man, there's like a serious sense of like uncomfortable, like uncomfortable play when you watch this team. And it's interesting that I'll mention that as well because Kevin Sheehan said on his show the other day uh, that kind of there's two routes these coaches can go. They can either say either do this or we're going to get people who can, or they say, no, we're going to actually tailor the scheme to our personnel. And I feel like that's that the second option is what they need to do. Um, and it's really just surprising, man, because obviously, like, we're not coaches and stuff like that. But you would think, like, this is kind of, like, not too complicated. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I know there's more that goes into it. But, I mean, what's the counter to a good pass rush? A quick passing game, right? And that's exactly, exactly. how the, the Chargers attack this. Same thing for for the Bills and, and the uh, Giants, too. I mean, they were doing quick passes. They were getting rid of the ball. And – what's the counter to a quick passing game play up more press them if you want to you don't have to be in man the entire time but just play up more set make the quarterback look for something make him think if you're just backing off and letting him oh here we go here's my there's my quick hot route that's what they're going to do the entire time they're going to take what they're given especially when you're going against good quarterbacks like Allen or or herbert and we made Dan, they made daniel jones look good and, and he's not good <laughs> uh, I mean, I saw what Atlanta and uh, Denver to, did to Daniel Jones, man. And it's just looking back on it right now, it doesn't feel very comfortable, especially with the talent we do have in our starting personnel. It's just like, that ain't going to get better this week against Matt Ryan, folks. I can tell you that. <laughs> I mean, it's actually just magic. Breakout game, they don't get better. Everyone, everyone's been talking. To every, I've heard it on Twitter. I've read on Twitter that everyone's like, Matt Ryan doesn't throw Kyle, Kyle Pitts the ball. Just wait till this week. You just wait till Sunday. You, 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 yeah. you, you're talking about, you know, Matt Ryan doesn't do this with Kyle Pitts or Calvin really this, whatever, whatever. Just wait till Sunday. We're going to, we're going to find out because I promise you this, if it's, if it's anything like that Giants game against the Atlanta Falcons who respectfully are one of the worst, in my opinion, worst rosters in the football. And they're, you know, the Washington's given up what, you know, 27, 28 points. We got to, we got to really, if we, if it's already not serious right now, it's even more serious after the Sunday. So. We're going to find out a lot this Sunday, in my opinion. This Against the Falcons, we're going to figure out, you know, kind of the trajectory of this team long-term after normally it's a quarter of the season. But it's like, man, we, we're going to find out. Something's going to happen. We're going to learn today. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. But uh, 
let's go to topic five here. I know we were talking about, we were talking about offense and we go right back to the defense, man. Just every it's so hard not to, right? It's just so difficult not to. Uh, you know, let's talk about, you know, the Washington football team's offensive line. Uh, it's a group that I believe we all had respect for and we're excited about going into this season. Uh, after three games, how do you feel about this unit and who has surprised you the most, whether it be good or bad? I mean, I think overall they've been the, the bigger bright spot of the, of the offense so far, besides maybe McLaurin and Antonio Gibson, obviously they're, they're our biggest playmakers, but I mean, Taylor had all day, I thought against the bills and, I was concerned about Cosby versus uh, um, Epineza, who from the prior weeks before looked like he had become a Bosa brother. There were some highlights I've seen in some moves that he was doing that looked like Joey Bosa. And that had me concerned, but he handled it very well. Um, I think you got to give Cosby a ton of credit for how he did and how he's improving from that week one game against Bosa. Um, Besides that, I mean, Eric Flowers, I know that's Steve's favorite player on the roster, but Flowers is looking solid. I mean, the, the, the screen to Antonio Gibson against the Bills, I mean, he was there. He opened that a touchdown wide open because of his block, and he's, he's being a, a bruiser in the pocket in pass pro. I mean, I love how he's playing. And I think Leno, or Leno, however you pronounce it, he's, he's, uh, I think he's doing a lot better than I thought he would do. He kind of seemed like a run-of-the-mill, maybe a bit of a downgrade from, you know, what we had pr- before. And – I think he's playing pretty solid overall. So I, I think there's a lot to work with and be happy about with this line, especially as a run blocking team. And I think that's what our identity is. You look at those grades. I mean, there's solid run blocking numbers across the board. Make that your identity, pound the rock and run some play action with Taylor. Let him use his legs. That's, that's my, my uh, two cents there. Uh, offensive line has been a bright spot for sure. Um, to be honest with you, I don't like, when I'm watching the run game, I'm watching the running back and I don't really run it back and watch the offensive linemen. So I can just give you quick thoughts on what I see during the game. I love Eric Flowers in pass protection. Um, I've always liked him in pass protection, at least, you know, at guard. Um, and he's just my favorite, one of my favorite players to watch, man, because he's the first person to help the quarterback up off the field. He's the first person in the end zone. And it's hilarious, me and my friends, when we're at the game, against the Chargers, I said, you know, just keep an eye on Eric Flowers. It'd be like a three-yard catch or a 17-yard incompletion, and he's downfield helping people up. That's why I love him. It's just – it's fun to watch. Um, on the other hand, we got Brandon Scherf, who's hurt again, which, I mean, I'm sure he'll play this week, uh, but kind of bothers me a little bit. Happens all the time, it seems like. And then Cosme, like I said, I don't watch a lot of the run plays, so maybe my vision of Cosme – is a little bit skewed compared to everybody else's because he's been dominating the run game. So, but it's great to see him come along as well because when the pick happened, I wasn't too sure about it. So, yeah, yeah uh, right before, right, or I'll follow up before our last topic on uh, the Brandon Sheriff really quick. But it's interesting that, you know, kind of speaking of Sheriff, if you look at the advanced numbers, whether it's PFF or the hurries, anything you want to look at, Sheriff's actually been probably like not the worst, but the second worst lineman on the roster right now. Uh, Sam Cosme's done, you know, really well according to PFF after his first week. Charles Leno had a really good game last week. Eric Flowers has been good. Chase Rulier, no one ever seems to talk about him. He's been really solid as well. Uh, but Brandon Sheriff last week, I believe he had three or four hurries or, or pressures given up or something like that. And uh, when you look at those kind of numbers, yeah, he's he's kind of been really like up and down. It seems. I know we're only three weeks in, but you know he's kind of the all pro. He's the guy that you're expecting to be, you know, the best lineman out there. And uh, he's been overshadowed a bit, in my opinion, by some players. Uh, I want to ask other to follow up. Speaking of Sheriff, I mean, Robbie, I know you're an offensive lineman guy. 
Steve, I know you like you like the analytics, the numbers, all that stuff. Are you going to pay Brandon Sheriff after this year? Do y'all think they should? No. No, because he's there. I mean, if he was 26, maybe. I mean, the age is a huge thing, too. And I got to tell you, man, he's always banged up. I wonder if he's hurting all the time. Some of those big guys are hurting all the time, man. Knees, yep. he's had a peck, shoulders. You know? So, no, nah, I mean, you got to let him go and you got to get – and it almost, and it, it, I was thinking about this today, it feels like a Kirk Cousins thing where we should have probably gotten compensation for him last year or something. Um, but then we held on to him because uh, he's kind of good or he's really good. Um, obviously a different position, but that's way. And, and seeing him go would be difficult too because he's he's been through a lot of crap here when we thought he, when we got him, we thought this was it. All right, here comes the, yeah. you know, the bully. Yep. I got a question for you, Robbie. Yeah, go ahead. Are we running a lot of uh, power, like power man up front? Because it looks like to me that these guys are just being asked to to brawl up front. It doesn't seem like a lot of like outside zone or anything like that. Yeah, it looks like gap scheme and probably some duo. I think duo has become a pretty popular concept too, which is basically power, but no polar. It's just double team blocks all around the board. And it's supposed to be a simple one read uh play for the quarter for the running back and that but i think it's it seems like to me it's a lot of gap and power and downhill stuff and then the occasional you know outside zone or you know outside sweeps stuff like that with the puller running outside but i think it's <clears throat> i think scott turner likes to really run it uh more gap scheme stuff than, than the regular zone i don't really see a lot of zone going on which they should because i feel like you could use the read option with taylor here and there as a wrinkle because of that's what I'm thinking you just yeah. you adapt right now to it and McKissick I know he can run it real well I'm a big yeah. McKissick fan but with Gibson emerging it's hard to really get him on the field I suppose well I mean shoot use him as a as a big slot you know you could you can I mean Scott Turner was supposed to be this guy that loves positionless football but he hasn't really shown a lot of it I feel like it, it, where's it when's it coming you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of movement going on, but none of it's deceptive to me. No one, I mean, no one buys the movement. I feel like we, we run a bunch of jet sweep looking things and we never give it away. If we do, we give it to Cam Sims, which was a good run. But I mean, that's why I guess it worked, because they don't expect Cam Sims to take a end around jet sweep type thing. So I don't know. I just feel like there's a lot of hype behind what he wants to do, but he's not actually doing it. And it's interesting you mentioned that, too. I've been saying that a million times. It's interesting. It's interesting. But it really is. Y'all are making some good points here. Uh, I was watching the QB school video today on Heineke's kind of uh, Giants game. And that exact thing y'all mentioned, it's a lot of motion, a lot of, like, sweeps, with it, whether it's, like, Adam Humphreys or something like that. But, like, they never get the ball. And to follow up on that, is does that worry you a little bit about kind of the Curtis Samuel edition? Like, does that worry you that they might not use him exactly, like, how you would think? Like, they might not use him, you know, to his versatile skill set? Um, because I mean, we're seeing it now. I mean, they're not really doing anything crazy to start. I mean, maybe they're saving up for him to be healthy. They don't want to show their hand until he's healthy and ready to go full speed. But even so, you can still run that stuff. I mean, you can do it with McKissick. Use him as a big slot, like I said. I mean, you can be creative with it. Um, like there, what he did show some creativity, like that. I love that idea of the motioning Logan Thomas under center for the QB sneaks and stuff like that. I know one time it blew up in their face because they tried to get cute with it and try to think it was like a, I don't remember, but it didn't work out. But stuff like that is not, is cool to see. It's inventive and it makes the defense think more. 
but um yeah it's weird are, are, are you gonna do it when he's healthy that's what i don't know that's a great question so curtis samuel we got to see him with norv and scott turner scott turner had four or five games with him um norv had the rest um they used them differently than joe brady did last year joe brady did a lot of like uh, lower a dot stuff and he's really good in that area obviously he had a career year last year um but what's interesting is the turners they use him downfield and i think he's going to take on that brown role and i think he has the ability to do that and i know he's a little smaller but um they're just shorter in stature really but he he can win he can stack he can win deep he can win um shorter area of the field intermediate so it's going to be huge to have him back because once he takes the top off one time, it's starting. It's going to start breaking things open, not just for Terry, but for Thomas too. So just having him on the field is going to be good. But um, Scott Turner can't screw this up, man. <laughs> back to uh, real quick, back to Sheriff because yep. I'm going to give my two cents there. Yep. Uh, no, I don't think we should repay him or keep him at this point, and that may be shocking to some, but. Uh, at the, in the grand scheme of things, you know, I've watched, I've been watching him for a long time since he's been here. Um, he's a great guard at times, but there's other times where I feel like he's just taking a playoff or he just keeps, seems to be going through the motions. Maybe that, maybe that's just me, but there's times where I'm like, where, where's this dude that came out of Iowa that was mauling everybody every play, just was relentless effort every play. But I, I didn't, I haven't seen that consistently. And maybe, maybe I'm just being picky and, and trying to, hold him to a higher standard, but I don't see it at times, you know, I, some of the plays where he gets beat, it looks like he's just kind of taking it easy. And then he just, Oh, I guess I did get beat kind of thing. And there's his body language. Isn't always the greatest too. He kind of just moseys. I, I, I read into that stuff. It makes a difference. And um, yeah, I, I don't think you need to pay him. He's good, but I think the, the drop off from him to West West Schweitzer, if he was at right guard, is not that much. I love what, what Wes Schweitzer did last year as a starter. And I think you can still be productive with him at guard over Sheriff and at a cheaper contract. Yeah, I agree. I agree hundred percent with that. Uh, and I know you're a big West guy too. Uh, I actually was pretty surprised after they traded for, uh, for flowers. I was like, man, I wonder what that's going to do a West or if they're just kind of have them kind of have them in, in his, in their back pocket. Cause he can produce. I mean, and if something didn't happen where Sheriff's gone after this, after this season, I, I mean, it's going to be a little drop off, but I don't think it's going to be anything, you know, substantial, anything that's going to be, man, this, this, you know, offensive line's a top 12 unit. Now it's a top 25 unit, you know, it's a 25, 26, something like that. So I agree a hundred percent with that. Uh, I guess we'll kind of close it up here with our final hit. Uh, I know it's going to be Washington's next few games. You know, we got Atlanta this Sunday. Uh, we got new Orleans. Uh, we got Kansas city, you know, green Bay down the line. You know, based on what you guys have seen, do you anticipate a major shift in play on both ends, uh, you know, even enough to potentially win two or three of these next four games? No, I don't think so, man. I think uh, one win might be the best we can do at this point. I mean, they're not going to beat uh, Tom Brady or Mahomes. I got to tell you, seeing all these people, all these, all this money coming in on Washington Sunday is kind of like mind-blowing to me because – I don't. I don't know how you trust this team at all. It's the Taylor Heineke factor, Steve. That's what it is. <laughs> they believe in Taylor. That's where the money's speaking. No, I'm. I, I don't think it's going to change much either. I mean, it's going to take. 
it would take uh, a, a thorough whipping of Atlanta for me to think, okay, maybe we've turned the leaf, you know? And I don't see that happening. I think we're going to be in a dogfight with Atlanta, maybe pull it out at the end, but I, I don't see it turning around unless things drastically change. Yeah, I think – and I was telling – I was actually on the phone with my friend the other day, and I was telling him, like, man, I think I think if they can – like, I agree, too. Like, they'd have to really smack Atlanta by, like, three possessions for me to be like, okay, maybe this – you know, they've turned over something new, and, you know, they create a couple turnovers. You know, the defensive line gets home three or four or five times or something like that uh, for me to change my opinion. But I'd be shocked, you know, with, with New Orleans coming down, Kansas City uh, – you know, with with them winning more than a game, you know, out of that, it's it's going to be really tough. And this team's given us no reason to believe any further through uh, than that. Hey, I really, really can, uh, can Taylor Heineke uh, strap up and play linebacker. Hey, hey, Taylor Heineke can do everything. Apparently, if they're using Landon Collins all over the place, I mean, might as well throw Taylor Heineke. I don't know how much of a drop off it'll be. So we we'll, we'll see. Who do you think's been the best player on defense? Just curious, Jonathan. Yeah, I think I think it's Payne. It's either Payne or Allen. Payne's been Payne's been really good, in my opinion. I'm rolling Payne. I have a stat up right here. Payne is ranking uh, third. Well, he's tied for second in total pressures right now, which is kind of bizarre to think about. Your your expectations for Landon Collins have been that low? Like that's why you don't think he's played? He hasn't played bad or what? I don't think he's been. I don't think he's played that bad. I mean, I honestly, I haven't. I guess my, and I'm thinking to myself, well, my expectations are low. Well, what can you expect? Well, I mean, he's not John Bostic. So, yeah, I, yeah. Now, hey. he's making a ton of money. He's making a ton of money. That's but there's nothing you can do about it at this point. So, it's, well, maybe it's more that they're just putting him in the wrong position. Like asking him to be a cover two safety is not his strong suit. Why would you do that if that's what he's not good at? You know what I mean? He needs the blitz. He needs the yeah. blitz. That's how he became an All Pro, and like, he needs uh, to play Mike. Adams. Needs to play Mike. Go play Mike. That's what uh, Jack Del Rio did with T.J. Ward. T.J. Ward said he hated Del Rio for it, but T.J. Ward had the best year of his career. So, mm-hmm. um, hey, that's now? the first time I've ever heard that. That's literally the first time I've ever heard that. That's actually probably going to be like the preview to this episode is probably that one quote right there. I've 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 never heard someone ever suggest that. That's actually I've actually I'm with that. Now, well, I, well, I don't tell. Yeah, exactly. Do not tell him. What were you saying, bro? Yeah, to play Mike. I've never heard someone mention that ever. Well, in a five-one-five, why not? I yeah. mean, it's better than having him as an overhang safety, having a line up against I don't know Dawson Knox. I mean, that guy's not even that good. So yeah. <laughs> but. Alrighty, boys. I think we're gonna tie this one up, man. Uh, I, you know, thank y'all for joining me. Um, yeah, I, I just I appreciate y'all very, very much, uh, and I hope to do this again in the future. Uh, before we go though, uh, let the listeners know where to find y'all uh, on all social media platforms, and uh, we'll get out of here. You can find me on Steve WFT on Twitter, and that that's about it. Yeah, and you can find me at Robbie Duncan OL, and that's it. well y'all know where to find me this day drop back podcast episode 10 thank y'all for joining me thank y'all for listening and uh, i'm out